Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast. My name is Eli Hoff and I'm your St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com Mizzou sports beat writer. Back with me again this week is Ben Fredrickson, one of our fantastic columnists. Uh, ben, it's it's been a calmer week this week on the Mizzou athletics front than it was last week. Uh, but now now it's reaching the point where, you know, there's there's a lot less instant reaction to Desiree Reed-Francois out as athletic director stepping down. And it's moving forward a little more, you know, it's a little more forward thinking now. There's there's talk of the future. Uh, just, you know, where are you at as you as you view Mizzou sports here now? What are we not not quite two weeks, 10 days, 10 days after she's gone. Uh, just, you know, what's your what's your uh, general sense of of how this week has been for uh, for Mizzou? Well, I guess the question kind of kind of hangs in the balance is like, all right, what's next? Um, Desiree Reed Francois has been introduced at Arizona. We will wait to see kind of what the fine details of the buyout situation are for her as she, you know, it sounds like Arizona wants her to try to minimize that and I doubt Missouri is eager to do that. So we'll see how that plays out and what may come of that. Um, more importantly for Mizzou, it's about, okay, where does this go from here? The sense that I get uh, is that they're not going to rush to make uh, a hire here. They're going to try to take this slowly. Um, they're going to, I think, go the search firm route. They're going to have a hiring committee. Um, but at some point they're going to need to start interviewing and, and moving this thing forward. And we'll get a sense of maybe the candidates and who's interested and where they're able to go. I think Missouri's sense here is that if they give this a little time to breathe, they might be a little more appealing to certain candidates than if they were to move quickly after the kind of the smoke was at a high level from the the kind of the shock factor of another AD leaving Mizzou. And I think there's real reason to kind of look at this job and go, man, there's been a lot of turnover there. And there are also some reasons, maybe more now than before, to look at it and go, wow, there are some positives there. With a football program that is starting spring practice that is going to be ranked uh, preseason, hasn't happened at Mizzou in a while. You've got a uh, an NIL program that's up and running pretty well and that is going to continue to be competitive in the SEC, which is really appealing. And then we continue to see the SEC. This is not a Mizzou plus, but the SEC and the Big Ten just keep putting licks on everybody else when it comes to everything from college football playoff expansion to everything. And you've got to know there are some ADs around the country looking to get into the SEC in any way possible. And I think those are the things Mizzou can really highlight as it tries to cultivate a new crop of of candidates. But I think ultimately we wonder, okay, what's, what's this role going to be? Um, is it going to be someone who does what the curators want? Is it going to be somebody who tries to work better with the curators? Is it going to be somebody who is all in on Eli Drinkwitz without hesitation? Um, you know, I think some some sort of insight from Mizzou and the folks who are going to be making this hire as to what they're looking for would be helpful at this point. I think it would. And, and it's also a weird moment, too, just because it isn't a cut and dry departure for Desiree Reed Francois. You talked about her buyout there. I want to lay this out because this is important still as we go forward this isn't a situation where it's just 
oh, she's gone on to the next university administration still has to to be thinking about this. Uh, you know, the Arizona Athletic Department is not in a good financial spot. And so they have gone to their donors and asked their donors to fund part of Desiree Reed Francois's buyout from Mizzou, uh, which is somewhere between two and a half million dollars, three million dollars. It's it's a little hard to interpret some of the contract language, but it's somewhere in there. Um, and, and donors covering buyouts is is typical and normal. That's that's what you'd really expect in the situation. But they've gone to Desiree and said, uh, our donors will pay for uh, up to $1.5 million of that buyout. So, you know, somewhere from three-fifths to, to half of that buyout, the donors will pay. But Arizona has also said, we expect you to try to either lower that number or get rid of it entirely, uh, which is just strange. You know, usually buyouts are the cost of doing business here. When LSU, you know, hired Blake Baker away from Mizzou, they knew they'd have to pay his buyout as part of it. That's that's just, that's what you do in college sports. And so it's interesting there. And and I know that, you know, I'd, I'd written about this last week and, and you know, I think I might have even got ratioed on Twitter for writing about it because there are replies of people being like, you know, no, don't do it. Take the money. You know, she knew what she was in for. And, and yes, but I think it's, you know, if Mizzou lowers the buyout, I don't think it would be some act of charity or the high road or, you know, oh, well, she did good things for us. So, like, I don't think that's how this it could be, but I don't think that's how this works here. I think what people need to realize is that there reaches a point in that discussion where lawyers could get involved. And I, I want to be careful here because I'm not saying this is what's happening. This is just what could potentially happen here. If, you know, if she wants to make the argument that she was forced out, hostile work environment, you know, any number of these things she could argue to try to, you know, lower that buyout to say that it wasn't necessarily a voluntary decision for her to leave this job. Uh, that's that's somewhere where maybe Mizzou and, and again, this is just what could happen, but maybe Mizzou says, oh, we don't want to do that fight. And it's frankly, I don't think anybody wants to go air their dirty laundry in a courtroom or depositions or whatever this would entail. Maybe Mizzou says, ah, you know what, we'll just take the one and a half million from the Arizona donors. Desiree, you don't have to take anything out of your pocket. Let's call it good. Uh, it, following that is, is, is something to watch here in, you know, the, that extra maybe $1 million or one and a half million dollars isn't that much in the grand scheme of an athletic department that will spend probably upwards of 150 million this, this fiscal year, but it's still something to watch going forward. And, and Ben, I think that's one of the weird things about this AD search is that there's, you're simultaneously looking back at, at what happened while trying to look ahead. It, it feels like sort of a, a weird dichotomy for, for Mizzou at this moment. Yeah. I think there's a pretty established track record that things were not uh, maybe going as smoothly as she hoped. Now, was that, how is that viewed? that really is kind of in the eye of the beholder, right? Um, could be viewed as she was having limitations or oversight put on her that wasn't within the scope of her job. And that could be the argument that she makes to try to lower that. Um, or Mizzou could say, no, that was perfectly within the realm of, of what was possible from the structure of the way things work here. And that we're not going to back down from that. You know, I, I think it can be argued both ways. You make a great point of like, does Mizzou want that dirty laundry aired? Does also does does Desiree? I mean, does she want to have a public argument with her former employer while she's trying to get her new start at a new place? So it's one of those things where it's usually best if both sides can agree to to move on and 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 be at peace with one another. Usually, there seems to be kind of a in situations like this, there does seem to usually be kind of an agreement that goes down, and then everybody just kind of agrees to go their separate ways. We'll see if if this gets to that point or if it gets turned into a long drawn out thing, which maybe sheds some more light on what exactly the rub was between 
Desiree Reed Francois and the governing body of the of the um system but i do think that could be something that missouri would want to have wrapped up before it goes and tries to market this job to a new candidate because some folks may wonder what exactly what exactly the baggage there is so that's kind of uh swirling um we'll see if it gets settled quickly or if it gets drawn out but and we'll see how much attention it grabs um i would think both sides would kind of want to have it over with but that doesn't always uh it isn't always how it goes down so I thought this was a kind of convenient timing from a zoo and somewhat that we had all we really had to talk about with the basketball team continuing to lose and lose was kind of this AD drama. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, spring football is, is starting and it's right here. Um, kind of almost snuck up on us a little bit, but uh, in some ways probably a well-received turning of the page for Mizzou to have something else to, to direct attention toward. Well, yeah, I think it's good because you know, it, spring football, obviously, with the expectations for what the football program is, quarter between coming in transfers, all this stuff, you know, it, it's, it's good news for Mizzou. And I, I'm thinking back to just what I've written over the last two months. And I don't know if there'd been much good news between the start of spring football this week and the cotton bowl, because men's basketball hasn't won a game since the day after the cotton bowl. Yeah. And, and I didn't write about that. I was still in Texas. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been a, a pretty rough, I guess seven weeks, eight weeks. I think the only Mizzou thing as a whole. I'm trying to think, the only positives really were probably football related. They might have been yeah. the guys doing well at the Senior Bowl. Um, there was yeah, some, that's true. some that's good true. news out of that. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. I mean, it, I, I talked to Moon Choi at the Bragging Rights game, and I said, "Hey, Moon, you know, you guys have had a lot of success here in a row." I wasn't talking about the Bragging outcome of the Bragging Rights game. I said, "When's the anvil going to drop?" You know, joking because it seems like you know the the old history with Mizzou is that if if multiple good things happen in a row, something bad is coming, or at least something jarring. And he was excited at the time because they were about to give Eli Drinkwitz his new extension. They hadn't announced it yet, but he knew it was coming, and he was kind of trying to trying to to give the hint that there was something more good news coming, and and there was. Um, and then all of a sudden, now it's boom. It's ever since uh, you know it kind of started with Blake Baker leaving. Um, then the, the the AD shakeup basketball team continues to spiral. So yeah, they've 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 been regressing to the mean a little bit here in their so-called Mizzou momentum. <laughs> it's it's a pretty hard regression to the mean too, just because the the good news it was it was so good for for the whole fall, and uh, and then and then it had to come crashing down. Uh, I, I want to touch on one more thing on the AD search before we move on, Ben. And it's just the the column you wrote this week that you know. Uh, your your headline was don't make the mistake of assuming that Mizzou's AD opening won't be appealing. And it is one of those, you know, th there has been a lot of doom and gloom about this of one, just, you know, the fact that, that Desiree Reed Francois's departure was, you know, surprising. There's, there's questions we still have over, you know, how, uh, what the, the oversight and expectations were for her and all of this, you know, but you, you, you make the, the apt case this week that no, there's still a, a lot of good things here, you know, I, without, letting people get away with not reading your work <laughs> just you know what what's the the important kind of counter or, or nuance to all of this discussion of oh the oversight committee oh what's the red flags here you know what's what's the good here that needs to to come with the discussion of all of that well i think the the main thing is to remember who we're talking about here we're not talking about people who look at opportunities and go well the last person didn't succeed in that or didn't last so therefore i won't no that's not how these people are built Coaches, ADs, they're built to think I can fix that. I can thrive there and I'm the right person. And if they didn't think like that, they wouldn't be in these roles. So start there. 
Um, two would be whoever they hire next, they're going to really want to succeed. Um, and they're going to be unified and trying to help succeed because the board of curators, they like to be involved in the process. They don't like to be in the, involved in the spotlight. And they're very much in it now. And whoever is hired next is going to be their AD, like Eli Drinkwitz as their football coach. And they are going to move mountains to try to help this person succeed. So as much as people want to say, well, it will be just a, a yes person for the curators, for the board, I actually think it'll be more the opposite, that the board is going to go get somebody that they feel like they're aligned with and they're going to try to support entirely because they want to prove that they're not what people are making them out to be, this, this meddlesome group that chased away performing AD. And if they succeed in that, in that partnership, then the story of time will not be, whether it should or shouldn't be, oh, they chased away a good AD, it'll be that they hired a better one. Um, and whether it's fair or not, that's just how this stuff works. If the next AD comes in and everything gets better, then that's a good hire. If the next AD comes in and everything gets worse, then that's a bad hire. That's how these things get graded there. Are you better or worse than the person you replaced? And then the other two, well, the three, one, we mentioned the SEC is where you want to be. And there's just things Missouri can offer because it's in the SEC that other places can't unless you're in the Big Ten or also in the SEC. Two is the football program. This program is coming off of a, a decade's best performance. It's got a head coach who doesn't seem to be poised to go anywhere, um, at least not to a very small number of places that can give him a better deal than what he's got at Mizzou. And they should be pretty good next year. Recruiting's good. And then you throw in the NIL, which is not, I think Desiree did a lot to help with, but she didn't take all that with her to Arizona. Um, she's got, you know, Eli Drinkwitz has, has done a lot on the NIL front at Mizzou. It's humming along. And, and that's a huge thing. The state is very progressive in how it thinks about this. So that structure's in place for a new AD to come in and try to flex that. I think those, those things, the fact the football program's in a good spot, the conference is just pouring out money into its programs, and you've got the support, you're going to have the support of whoever hires you because they're determined to make you succeed. I think for the right person, those, those are very appealing things. And I don't know if it's the person who's looking to get out of a tense spot somewhere else, um, maybe at a bigger shop or someone who's looking to make the jump into the SEC from a, from a smaller conference or one outside of the power too. But I think the more that people look at this job, the more they'll say, yeah, it can be a tough place to succeed. And the history is there. I mean, Mac Rhodes left for Baylor, Desiree leaves for Arizona, but, but still there's an inkling of like, there's gotta be an inkling of like, man, if someone can get that right, that, that, that place could be a place where you can go and, and make your career. I still think that will be an appealing factor for for this conversation when this job starts to go field some candidates. It, it will be, and it's the job right now. You know, you think of if if somebody gets to Columbia and, and I should say three weeks from now, you know, there's there's not a ton that has to be done instantaneously to turn this around. I think you know, really, the only pressing decision is just what to do on the women's basketball coaching front, and frankly, that's something sitting now and, and we talked about this a little before we, we got on the air just you know how you handle Robin Pynchon's job security right now it, it's this is all very you know interesting timing for that because the expectation going into this year set by Desiree Reed Francois was make the NCAA tournament or that's it right Mizzou women are you know they're on a, a 10 game losing streak the, the, the NCAA tournament is not happening and so based on the the previously selected criteria, it would be the end of Robin Pynchon's tenure in Columbia. But now you you have sort of three ways you can go about handling that right now. You could just give her another year. 
keep this freshman core together. And, you know, I think there's, there's pros to that, but you know, is Robin Pynchon the long-term coach of Mizzou women's basketball? No, right. That, that, you know, one more year would very likely be just one more year of, of what this is. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know if that outcome is necessarily a win for Mizzou. You could have, you know, you could wait until the new athletic director comes in and either let them make that decision or expect them to fire her quickly. But that's pretty bold for to, to want your new ID to come in and can somebody right away and immediately start on a coaching search. You know, that's that's a different expectation. You, or you could have the interim AD do this. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was I was talking to some other uh, folks on the beat last night as we were sitting there at the at the women's basketball game. And, you know, Robin Pynchon's been here for a while. She her first season was, let me see, 2010-11. So she's been here for probably 15 years. I, I don't know if, you know, if, if we want to talk about this as a relationships business, I don't know if having the interim AD who hasn't even been on campus for a year firing the women's basketball coach who's been here for 15 years with a new AD on the way. You know, I don't know how, how that goes either. So it, it's just, it, it, it'll be interesting to watch there how that plays out. It, it's But it's outside of that, NIL is operating on its own. I talked to some folks in that space. They said, you know, they like Desiree. They're, they're sad she's gone, but that continues and it'll continue with the new AD. Football practices, <laughs> I've seen those this week. They're doing fine you know men's basketball is you know that season is what it is but it's it's humming along without you know there just there isn't a whole lot that a new ad has to do at this moment in time beyond the women's basketball front so it'll be interesting how that just what the what the timeline there looks like when that hire is made yeah the robin pinch probably got a new lifeline uh when desiree got fired uh because she knew she was getting fired if she stayed and now now there's a question there wasn't a question before I, I don't know if the to me if you're gonna if you're in the process of hiring a new AD and you want to make a change there don't hire a coach before you hire your AD. Well, that, that's you, a good what point. You that's is, point. What you want is what you really want as many you really want as many of your kind of temporary hanging by a thread coaches. You want if they're if you're gonna make a change, you want the new person to make those hires because that's what you're trusting that person to do is help lead you to those candidates. Now, if they're determined they want to keep her, then they're going to hire somebody who's not firing her. That'll just be understood when the hire is made. Um, how much longer can she get? Can she get another year? Um, can they run it, run it back and say, well, how will these young players grow up? We'll give, give her one more year. I could see that happening if just they, they don't want the immediate decision of the new AD to be come in and fire a women's basketball coach who's been there for decades. Um, I don't know. You know, it, to me, it 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 kind of felt like it was pretty cut and dry that she was going to be gone this year if they didn't if they didn't get in. But if if you know if the if the powers that be were not down with that plan, that would be another example of maybe some other folks having different opinions than the than the outgoing AD. And maybe there there's a point to say, well, no, she's going to stay, and they'll try to prove. That, that it can work still. Uh, I don't know. That's a fascinating question. We'll probably learn a little bit about how the system feels about Robin during this process. Cause if she's got the the ear of the powers that, that are non AD side, then maybe she gets another year out of this. Um, and, you know, we'll see, but uh, to me, I'm not hiring a new basketball coach until I hire a new AD because I want my person, even if it means another year of waiting, I want my new AD to make that hire. Well, and, and also because if this is something that Mizzou is going to invest in, and they, you know, they should. You look at what 
how women's sports have been succeeding sure. as we recently with gymnastics and volleyball and softball in particular that you know they're all fantastic you know they were all uh you know volleyball made the, the ncaa tournament gymnastics is is i think number 13 in the country still softball's you know ranked there, there's no reason why women's basketball can't get back to what it was when sophie cunningham was at mizzou and, and that was under robin pinchton but so if they're going to invest in this that's also something you don't want to just throw that investment at whatever candidate comes to mind for the new ad on their first week in columbia so it'll be interesting to watch there uh far more pressing we say pressing even though it's not really it's spring football but spring football is here and it's the start of the Corey Batoon era defensively. Kirby Moore is back. He has not gone to Alabama. The Brady Cook said he <laughs> he thought maybe that would happen, but no, Kirby Moore's back. Um, it's it's been interesting Ben, being a, around the the team this week because you know, we when we covered this team throughout the fall, you know you you know what players are gone at the end of the year and, and their departures, but it, it's weird you know I, I think you look at the cornerback room in particular no Ennis Rakestra no Chris Abrams drain out there you know Cody Schrader nobody knew Cody Schrader was going to do what he did at this time last year but he's not out there it's it's you know different people in the running back room you know it's just you you start to some of the departures and holes that you hadn't really thought too much about of you know oh yeah good for them we're going on to the NFL draft all of a sudden you start looking at this roster that's no knock on the replacements other players will step up but you know it, I wonder if if Part of this spring is sort of a process for Mizzou of realizing, oh man, that's that's who's walking out the door and we have to replace. It's interesting to see some of that play out here. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I thought Eli Drinkwitz did a good job of kind of uh, driving home the point that if you walk into spring practice patting yourself on your back for what last year's team did, you're behind because you soon look around and see some of those guys who led you to what you did last year aren't there. Darius Robinson's not there. Uh, Cody Schrader, not there. Linebackers, starting linebackers, not there. Starting defensive backs. I mean, this team lost a lot of leadership um, on the field from last season. Now, they bring a lot back. You got your starting quarterback. You've got some some key players. You got probably the best returning receiver in all of college football. So they've got some real pieces returning but they've also got some holes they need to fill and yeah spring is really the the point where you look and say okay who's going to start to make those strides forward I think the good news is some players started to show a willingness and ability to do that as last season wound down especially in the the bowl game we saw some guys who will be in more prominent spots play pretty big in that game I think that was encouraging they can hopefully carry that into this spring um, but uh, for me like all eyes are on the running backs for sure like we didn't know Cody was going to do what he did last year. We do know Eli likes to drive one guy 
um, kind of in that spot. And he'll say, well, he'll do a committee, but he usually won't. You know, one guy will emerge and he'll ride that guy pretty hard. And that's been the right call the past few seasons. So who will maybe take that mantle? And then you mentioned Batoon. To me, that's a that's a huge thing. Blake Baker was obviously a great defensive coordinator, but he was also a very inspirational leader, motivational leader to these players. And Batoon's a little more laid back, but I think he's got some of that in him. And how can he kind of put his fingerprints on the same style of this defense? I thought it was encouraging to hear both of them say they're not looking to reinvent the wheel here. They've recruited a defensive side that has a tenacity, that has a style of play, and they're not going to try to change that because the defensive coordinator has changed. It's more about, okay, play that way, but maybe call a few things, something different, maybe, maybe tweak the name of a position or do a couple things differently, but, but have it speak uh, maybe a different cadence, not a different language. That, that's a good way to put it. And, and that's what Eli Drinkwitz told us this week is that he views the transition defensively from Blake Baker to Corey Batoon very similarly to bringing in Kirby Moore on the offensive side last year that, you know, the expectation is that there are still these kind of core philosophical, you know, value stylistic things that, that those need to be in place. Right. You know, for, for the offense, it was having that run game, the inside zone, the outside zone, making those plays a staple of the offense. And then it was really, you know, Hey Kirby come on in and add some splash to the pass game. And sure enough, you know, that's what happened last year, along with just some individual standout performances defensively the expectation is still use that same four two five base you know and and work with the pressures you know prioritize getting pressures you know havoc defense they call it and and so but then it's you know hey Corey, come on in and you can change he's going to change one of the defensive end names to be a joker which just sounds cool that's that's gonna be fun to write about you know saying somebody's the joker i i, I think that's fun having fun with the defensive position names but you know change up that role a little bit and actually and that's gonna be interesting to watch because that that feels like kind of a, a group of 5e influence where where when Batoon was I asked him to just explain that position and he was talking about finding a way to use a little more speed and athleticism off the edge versus just size which is very much a group of five thing when you don't have because you know if you are a college defensive or defensive or offensive lineman who is you know six three 300 and you can move you're going to the sec or the big 10 you know you're going to one of these big schools so you don't have that kind of size to play with the group of five level so it'll be interesting seeing some of that influence get there and obviously the play calling just situational things uh, that we won't really know until the fall but it doesn't strike me as as much of a transition at all the, the bigger part is just there's natural turnover because of players leaving on the defensive end there's new players in those roles uh, but but really key having both the linebackers who played significantly last year in Chuck Hicks, who got a lot of playing time, Tristan Newson, who who got a lot of playing time down the stretch there. Having them back will be big. Uh, Dalen Carnell back in the star spot will be big. I, I, one of the the players who, who I was kind of watching just during the open part of practice this week was Johnny Walker and what he brings off the edge. You know, he had some really good moments last year. He was the, the defensive Cotton Bowl MVP Showed a lot of potential there, but there were also some low moments. You know, I think of the the game where he got ejected because he, you know, I think he spit on somebody was what the, we heard the ref saying. Uh, you know, just some some not great plays in that regard. So watching him, uh, you know, offensively, the, you're right to pinpoint the running back room. Marcus Carroll uh, is is built like Cody Schrader. That <laughs> that man is a bowling ball, and Nate Noel is is quick. So it, it's going to be interesting because just only watching their practice reps. It seems like if Eli Drinkwitz wants to go 
the running back by committee route. It's kind of a thunder and lightning situation of you've got the guy who can knock somebody over and somebody who can lead the speed back. So it, it'll, you know, it'll, it'll test some of his philosophy. And also, I guess it's Kirby Moore's philosophy too, because he's, he's involved in that offense of just how they, how they want to handle that. Um, but Ben, I'm curious too, when, you know, you're not obviously able to come out to the practices every day, you know, what in sort of a, a big picture sense do you want to see out of Mizzou through spring practices here? You know, what are kind of what we, what you would see as a good sign coming out of the next couple of weeks? Well, I think the, the one thing that you want to see the strengths be the strengths. We know there's some guys defensively that are going to have to fill holes and we're not going to learn much. You never learn much about the defense in spring ball because they're not really hitting each other. So I always kind of take that with a grain of salt. One thing I would like to hear about would be some just dynamic, performances in the receiving core because I think this group really should be fat, very talented and very experienced we saw some guys some of the young guys flash last year who were back um, you throw those in with guys who return obviously everybody has to account for Luther and his confidence now I thought his physicality got so much better from year one to year two it should only get better in year three Theo Weiss returns that's big for this team I feel like that maybe went a little under the radar because he announced it so soon, I think immediately after the season ended, but that's it. He was a, at times their best receiver. You mix him in with some of the tight ends that we've seen, some of the speed from, from Johnson that we've seen on the, on the, on the outside. I mean, this group, if it sticks together and stays healthy, it's probably the most dynamic group of different kinds of pass catchers Mizzou has had with experience under their belt in some time. And you mix that with a returning quarterback who, isn't entering the season kind of trying to prove he's the starter. I mean, Brady's the starter. No one's going to question it. No one should. As long as he's healthy, he's the guy. And in fact, the guy who was allegedly pushing him for playing time is now out because Sam Horn's injured, which is, you know, really creates a, an interesting dynamic at backup. And it's that much more important now that Brady starts. But I think if you could have spring really showcase the offensive passing, pass catching ability of this team, that would be a very, positive sign entering a season where let's just call it what it is. The the start of the season is cupcake, cupcake March to a great start. I mean, if this team takes care of business, they should be ranked well into the season. They should be undefeated for a good portion of the season and they should be stirring all kinds of hype and possibilities about where the season could go. But a lot of that's going to depend on Brady and these guys getting the, getting the ball in the air, getting touchdowns on the receiving side as they sort out how this defense is going to, grow up together with some new guys and also how this running game is going to kind of emerge in a post Schrader world. Well, you're the, the quarterback point also, or the backup quarterback point is, is something to watch because it's another absence. You realize Sam Horn is, is out with Tommy John surgery. Uh, you know, he's out for, for probably a, at least a year, just given what the, what the time frame is on that. Uh, and, and probably out for, for next season, spring football as well. I wouldn't think we're going to see Sam football. Horn play football at Mizzou anymore. With, if he recovers well from Tommy John and what the baseball scouts seem to think about him. Um, now, and if that's what he wants, then so be it. But I think this guy's future is probably in baseball. And, and that's, that's my thought as well, just given, you know, what his arm strength looks like there. Uh, and, and that was part of why they chose to go the Tommy John route. They could have done a partial reconstruction. They opted to do the full reconstruction just so that he could play baseball at the level he wants to play baseball. So this was a decision made with baseball, I think, maybe as the focus. Uh, and, and so it, it sets up for Mizzou an interesting spring transfer portal session that'll it'll open in mid-April. So spring will be out of the way by that point. You know, you, you need to get a backup quarterback because the expectations are too high this year to be relying on a three-star freshman as your as your primary backup 
but you got to find somebody who's experienced enough who you would feel fine throwing out there in an SEC game if you really had to young enough to stick around post Brady cook and patient enough <laughs> to have that role while that happens. It's, it's going to be a hard role to cast. So that will be interesting to watch uh, as, as April uh, gets closer and, and that spring portal season comes about. But in the meantime, it's, it's a lot of good reps for some of these young guys and also a lot of pressure on Brady cook to stay healthy you know, I think the quarterbacks always were, they used to be green. Now they're gold jerseys, the, you know, non-contact, please don't hit me. You know, I, I think one of these days we're going to see Brady out there with, you know, one of the like hamster balls that humans can go into <laughs> like inflatable hamster things to get. I, I feel like at some point, maybe for the spring game, he's going to be, you know, I, he's going to be very valuable in that spring game. He might be in one of those because uh, the, that all of his joints are about as important as any joint can be for a, for a football team. Right highlighter, now. highlighter, orange with uh, safety cones attached to every uh, every part of his shoulder pads. Well, the good news is he'll play hurt. We've we've seen that from him time and time again. But is that is that good news, Ben? Is that good news? <laughs> I don't know that we'll ever really know how many things Brady Cook played through, but yeah, great point on the backup. It makes me wonder. There's always that spring churn of transfers, and it makes me wonder if Mizzou could be active there on the quarterback, not to bring in competition. Um, but to bring in maybe, or that, you know, that post, I guess I should say post spring portal churn of transfers, because you you sometimes have new transfers showing up for fall camp. And it makes me wonder if Mizzou could be active there, not for competition for Brady, but for someone they can maybe offer, Hey, if you've got a couple of years left, you could come in and compete right away and be the backup. That might be an appealing, appealing spot for somebody who, is being realistic and doesn't feel like they can transfer in and, and start right away somewhere else. So knowing Eli, he'll knowing Eli Drinkwitz, he'll have the, he'll have the, the, the pitch ready for, for what he needs if they go that route. But that the offense has got to be, it's got to be the, the group that I think carries the weight early this season. Um, and they've got the, the established coordinator, they've got the established quarterback and they've got a, just like the defense needed to for last season, the offense needs to kind of buy time, I think, for for this defense a little bit this year. Exactly. I think that's a, a good way to view it. All right, Ben, that's enough talking. It's time for the quick three segment. Okay, well, we, got- uh, we, we we didn't do this last week because of the emergency pod, uh, you know, after Desiree left it all, it all went to shambles. So uh, we've got one big picture Mizzou question and then two uh, college sports big picture questions. Okay. okay. So the first one is just about the Mizzou AD search. You said in you know the general sense is this is going to take a little while. So it, how long of a time frame do you go into this thinking that's an acceptable amount of time? The D coordinator search took a while, and I think that concerned some people at a certain point. So you know when do you think that certain point is where it's like, all right, there you know this needs to be getting to move on. It's it's about time to wrap this up. I think it would be good if Missouri could have a uh, new AD hired by the end of the NCAA tournament. Um, there's always a lot of action around the NCAA tournament, the final four. There's always a good chance to do interviews, uh, mingle with not just coaches, but administrators as well. So if if that news is going to bed right around the time, if we've crowned a national champion in men's basketball right around the time Mizzou is announcing its AD, I think that'd be a good a good fit. So it's it's funny you bring up the NCAA tournament because that's my next question here. You you wrote about this a little bit this morning, uh, but but which is a, a more concerning expansion, the men's basketball NCAA tournament going up to you know ninety or, or whatever they whatever the number is being thrown around there, or the football college football playoff going up to fourteen teams? Although it's odd to want to go to fourteen or sixteen teams when you've never played the twelve team format. Um, 
college football never has gotten this right. So it doesn't surprise me. And I don't really care because it's a mess and always will be. I'm I'm viscerally offended by anyone who wants to expand the NCAA tournament. I think we all agree it's perfect. No one sits around and goes, God, this thing is wrong or needs to be changed. There's actual debate from legitimate fans of college football that the playoff isn't right or has it needs to be bigger or whatever. I mean, there, there's, there's always been debate. BCS doesn't work. I mean, we fight about this. Real people fight about this. No real people fight about the NCAA tournament. They might not like the first four when it expanded to 68, but for large parts, it's been perfect for decades. Leave it alone. And what kills me is I've got an email this morning from someone who clearly got offended by the column I wrote and saying, well, you're not sticking up for the mid-majors. And actually, I am. The mid-majors won't be helped by expanding the, the NCAA tournament. What's going to be helped are teams like Texas A&M this year in the SEC, which is a 500 team with a losing conference record that would be entered into the NCAA tournament. So Greg Sankey and the other power conference uh, officials, administrators could get more teams in the tournament. Drake in the Missouri Valley is not going to be helped by this. And it'll actually be a disservice because those games that we see those, those, uh, you know, spirited 16 seeds take on the, the top teams, they won't happen because instead of taking on the top teams, they'll be taking on mediocre power five teams that probably knock them out before they get a chance to be a true Cinderella. So be careful what you wish for people who are calling for the expansion of the NCAA tournament. It's probably inevitable. I'm probably the old man yelling at the clouds, but it is the perfect postseason, and the fact that the NCAA president has said as much and then gone on to say how he needs to change it tells us everything we need to know about who's running this stuff. Well, I think the, the real question is, you know, could they expand the tournament to, say, 220 teams so that Mizzou this year could be could be making Dennis it? Dennis wants that. He wants every team to get in. And, and God bless you, Dennis. I appreciate that you're dropping F-bombs in your post-game press conferences and getting a little more real lately, but you'll never, ever convince me that that's the right call. It's terrible. Um, March Madness is awesome. It's what college basketball does best. We have to protect the things that that shouldn't be changed. We should all be unified on this. No one no one who, who actually doesn't collect a paycheck from the college basketball machine wants to see this thing get bigger or change in any way. It's, it's no one, no man on the street is walking around saying, God, I wish the NCAA tournament was bigger. I, I don't know, Ben. That's, that's what I, that's what I heard when I walked outside this morning. It, the, the first thing it was Dennis a bunch Gates, of people yelling, they were clamoring. Coffee, and that's, and that's what he told you. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, so the, the last part of the quick three here is something you talked about protecting things there. This this is about that. Who needs to stay off of a basketball court more? The head coaches who have a designated spot on the painted part there or the fans who are, are charging onto courts afterwards? Who needs to stay off the court more? Well, I think I see more coaches on the court every night than I do fans. The court storming is like once every couple of three weeks. And it's usually when players are off the court. The coaches are on there putting players at danger every night. But, you know, Jay Billis and those guys won't come after the coaches. So I guess uh, – I guess that's fine. I don't mind court storming. Um, I think it's one of the more kind of uh, collegiate things about college basketball. It's kind of that you're reminded that the students and the, at one point in time, the students and those players actually used to go to class together and they kind of sometimes even knew each other. Uh, maybe that's not the case much anymore. I look, it's got to be safer. Can't have people getting hurt. But I think some of the theatrics about Caitlin Clark getting bumped and Filipowski getting bumped, none of them were hurt. Um, it, we've been doing this for years and years and no one's, it's never been a problem. And all of a sudden now it's the, the biggest threat to player safety since, uh, 
since I don't know, they were playing the games on the naval carriers and people were twisting ankles left and right. So a little overblown. Have your security keep the people off the court until the players try to get mostly off, and I think we'll be fine. But golly, the coaches are are putting people at danger just as much as the students when they're out there being the sixth man on defense. It'll be it'll be a new part of the zone. It's the it's the two three one zone. Yeah, it's <laughs> the, a, the Bruce the Pearl zone. Coach. Yeah, yeah, it's, guarding uh, guarding that near side corner. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, at this point in time, if Mizzou wins a game, they can storm the court, and I don't think they'll have any anyone complaining. So uh, maybe that can be maybe that can be the rallying cry. Yeah, it would beating beating it's either Ole Miss or Auburn at home, which but, actually beating beating Auburn at home would be would be I guess cause for a, a court storming. Desiree once said that she would write the check for any court storming penalties, field storming, she, court stormings. But who she had to after field, Kansas State. Who would write that check now? That'll be that'll be something for the the new AD. <laughs> leave leave the first, leave the blank check on the first paper on their desk is the is the check that needs to be cut. Exactly, exactly. All right, well we'll call that an episode for today. Thanks for joining us as always, y'all. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk more uh, Mizzou sports news, athletic director, spring football, basketball, whatever uh, happens there. We'll have to talk about diamond sports at some point too. Baseball not very good, softball very good so far. But we do appreciate you taking the time to listen and as always we appreciate when you rate review like subscribe do all those things to support your favorite podcast enjoy your weekend y'all and we will be back with you next week with another episode of the eye on the tigers podcast For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 